Thank you for listening to the Old English D podcast. New episodes are live every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe and follow to keep up to date on all the new episodes. And as we always say, go Tigers. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Old English D, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Casey. Of course, joined by Josh for our penultimate regular season show. Can you believe that we are here in the midst of the final homestand, my friend? It uh, it has been a, a ride this year. Lots of ups, lots of downs, lots of uh, heartbreak. It feels like quite a bit of quite a bit of that this year, but. Uh, we survived. That's that's a positive. And well, you might be a little ahead of yourself there. We still got another week. Yeah, probably, probably the happen. most emotional week of the whole year. Unfortunately. True. True. Are you gonna shed tears? Are you gonna shed, shed some tears for Miggy's celebration week? I probably at some juncture. Mm-hmm. It's gonna really depend on how he goes. How he how it ends. Like the, the very ending. I think it's gonna be dependent on what they do. I'm sure AJ already has some sort of super classy way of getting mm-hmm. it done so i hope so i thought he talked a little bit about it today uh, i didn't hear directly about it but uh, i guess there's some surprises in store for him and whatever that entails i'm sure it's yeah pretty nice script ending to to a magnificent career that we will go over as we go along um of course as a recording note we are a day late this time on purpose though because we had some pretty Pretty big news break over the week. Um, good old Tigers hiring their 20th GM in history, and his uh, press conference was scheduled for today. So we wanted to push back just a little bit to make sure we had all the notes on that one, see what he had to say as the first uh, words as GM and kind of what he's looking for at the last week of Tigers games, but then also obviously going into a pretty important offseason. Um, you were also getting over some some cold flu-like symptoms, so we want to make sure that you were feeling much better. Feeling How are we feeling? Feeling are we, are we around the bend here? Yeah, I think we're, to use a baseball pun, uh, in the home stretch of this mm, and kind mm-hmm, of on mm-hmm. our way back. Still a little, a little froggy in the throat. I apologize, but we're gonna we're gonna tough through it. And no, you, we're gonna get... you sound great. You sound fantastic. <laughs> um, and then yes, so we are also recording after the first game in the Kansas City series. Um, so uh, we took away the the W there in a nice comeback fashion. Looked a little scary there while Granky was on the mound, but uh, we we got the dub to start off the final homestand correctly. Um, so of course, yeah, you guys probably didn't see the. Uh, podcast in your podcast feeds where you normally see it but of course this is the old english d where you can listen to us on all the podcast networks that you typically do you can also follow us on all the socials and i guess let's uh let's start right there um we're coming off the first win of the final homestand it would have been pretty bleak if we had lost that game i would say that would be pretty much a downer to the entirety of of the miggy celebration um, and all that entails. He he did get one standing ovation. Uh, I guess two technically because they took him out uh, to pinch run when when Nevin came in and pinch run in the in the last inning. So um, he did he did get a couple standing ovations. I would say the the standing ovation count is now at officially two. 
Um, but his first at bat was pretty awesome when the when the fans were able to celebrate him for for the first time this week. And then, yeah, as I said, Granky dominated. He always dominates, uh, not only just against us, but in Comerica, just seems to be a place where he feels comfortable. But then, thankfully, uh, Torque and and the rest of the offense came through. What do you think of tonight's game? I don't, dude. This young team just struggles with these soft tossers. Uh, we watched it earlier this year against Rich Hill. I think we faced Wainwright as well and kind of struggled with him too. Uh, I think we faced Cranky a couple times this year and have struggled every time against him. Uh, he's got some pretty good career numbers against us in general, and I don't know. It it always feels like a game that we should be dominating, but we don't. Uh, but yeah, like you said, fortunately we were able to come back and score runs late rather than early, but we'll take what we can get. This this team is... Limping to the finish isn't the right phrase, because I think they're kind of buoyed by this Cabrera situation, and also, like, they, they are doing... They are uh, exceeding expectations, and I think that is also kind of pushing them on as well. Uh, underrated storyline from the game today, Reese Olsen looked fantastic yet again. Uh, yeah, he, had, he lost, struggled early. Kind of gets lost in mm-hmm. kind of how the Tigers struggled offensively, and he he only ended up giving up two runs, uh, two runs on five hits, a couple walks, but seven mm-hmm. strikeouts. So only one was earned That's too. True. Um, yeah, and I, I appreciated his uh, demeanor uh, throughout all of it. He he did not have his best stuff early, but then you're right, he he collected himself. I think he was close to fifty pitches through two innings. Um, and so he, he had a really rough first inning, but he, he found his ground, uh, to, to get out without allowing a run. But then his second inning was really where, uh, we just can't find the strike zone at all. Um, and then he gave up the run, uh, bad luck later where he, uh, yeah, he, he had an error on himself and then he actually had a wild pitch that really secured that second run scoring. So it was, it was a negative storyline going into the later innings, but then thankfully Torque came through guys, 89th and 90th RBIs of the season. Um, that was beautiful to see. Um, again, that clutch element is is going to be is going to be a, a thing that comes along as as uh, he grows in his career and he matures. Um, and also, you know, ninety RBIs for a team that doesn't always have runners in scoring position um, is is pretty big deal. I think if we if we had a few more opportunities for Torque, he probably crosses the hundred threshold. And again, for a team that's below eighty one wins, below the five hundred mark, that's that's special. Um, and then, of course, Badu and Parker going back-to-back. That that uh, that sealed the deal and uh, might have not seen it, or maybe not a lot of people are aware, but it's a big deal over here. Second place in the AL Central. We have secured it. Uh, we'll see if we hold on to it, but with the Tigers being 74-83, and 83, we are officially above 10 games below 500. So we're at nine games below 500 and second place in the AL Central. Do we turn some heads at the at the second place? Is anyone going to talk about that tomorrow? Probably not. But. Uh, I don't think so. Like we've been drilled on by all baseball. Is AL Central is awful and nothing matters. But it's going to matter to the Tigers and it's going to matter to us as fans. Uh, second place is a big deal, especially when you have to look at, you know, the Tigers' record against the AL Central in previous years has not been great. And we did our job this year, and we have winning records against every single... We, we secured winning records against every single AL Central team. 
this year. So it is a big deal. I don't really care what other people have to say about it. Very true. Very true. Rewinding the clock a little bit to the last week of games, uh, we did lose two out of three to the Dodgers. That was always going to be a, a tough series for us. Of course, the Dodgers have already clinched the NL uh, West, and they are looking to begin their their postseason run. Um, they are a formidable opponents. They were always going to be a, a tough. The, the The entirety of this, uh, you know, final road uh, trip was going to be tough going out west. Um, was was never going to be easy. But I think that losing two out of three is a bit of a no- misnomer. And I'll throw it over to you maybe for some analysis. But um, we hung around. Besides that first game, you know, a couple breaks go our way in that second uh, game. We might eke out two out of three there. And then we're feeling really, really positive about uh, the trajectory of this baseball team. Um, as I said, the first game was a little rough, set up by a bad start from Erod. Um, Torque did get his to his uh, 29th home run of the year in the second game which that script is playing out exactly like I thought it would where he got to 29 with about a week left um and he's now sitting on and seeing if we can get to 30 before the end of the year I still think it's going to come in the final series hopefully he gets there and then kind of piggybacking off of what you just said uh mentioned about Reese Olsen tonight his start before was even more impressive uh one because of the team he was facing wasn't the Kansas City Royals. It was the very good uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. And he also outdueled another very good rookie in Bobby Miller. So overall, what do you think of that Dodgers series? I mean, you laid it out there pretty well. It, it That first game, it, it was very clear that that was going to be the game we, we got uh, shellacked. Uh, Erod didn't look like he had his stuff. He might have got thrown off by the whole in LA turned down the move to LA at the deadline great point great point i wonder if he got booed i can't remember if I he got booed he but that's a great point uh yeah torque was great he, to your point about torque though after 29 he's not really slowed up in his hitting in general he's still get, getting hits and still providing value it doesn't look like he's pressing to get to 30 which is a really good sign for a young player uh quick note on torque too dan dickerson mentioned it on the radio broadcast tonight too this is technically Torque's first full season in the majors, and he's played 150-plus games this year. And to have that kind of a bulk in your in your first full season and to do what he's done is a pretty impressive. So that's an interesting mm-hmm. little tidbit there. And then, yeah, that second game, it, it was really, really frustrating to watch because I – I tried not to take too much out of it because again it is the Dodgers, but we had a two one, two to one, uh, lead going into the eighth inning, the bottom of the eighth of that game, and the bullpen just couldn't handle it and you know walk off loss. It's it's tough to see, but like you said, one or two things go our way and we win that series. And like you said, that's it's a huge huge deal when it comes to a young team like that, uh, like this and their you know, kind of their mojo and like, Hey, we took a series from the NL West champions and it's the Dodgers and they're always great. So that was good to see. And then, yeah, <clears throat> Reese was great. The only guy he couldn't get out in that game was Max Muncy. He was, I think he was either two for three or three for four. And that was the only hits he allowed was against Muncy. One of them, a Homer, but Tigers kind of beat up on Bobby Miller a little bit, which was really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They didn't mm-hmm. score a ton of runs off him, but they made him work really, really hard and got him out of the game pretty quickly. So, 
to do that against a dominant rookie, I think is also a great sign of development for this for this offense. It's such an interesting dichotomy too, where you know you you have Bobby Miller who on a regular basis throws 98, 99, 100. Um, and they, they're able to, you know, sit back and be patient against him. But then you have someone like Granky tonight <laughs> who maxes out at 89, 90. I think he's one at 91, the top of the zone, and they have no idea what's coming. Uh, I understand it's tough because Granky has uh, a lot of wisdom behind his pitches as well. Um, but there, there is something to be said of like, okay, well, if we can – if we can do something against 99, why can't we do something against 91? But it's it's all about pitch mix. It's all about the type of pitches you're seeing. I mean, Granky threw one at 59. It was in the dirt, but he broke out the EFIS for a couple pitches too. So um, it's not it's not a one-to-one comparison, but it is like you feel like on a face value, we should we should be able to beat up on Granky a little bit more. But he's just a smart guy. He knows how to get hitters out, and that's, that's maturation at, at the major league level. He used to throw 98. Um, when he was a rookie himself. So it's just kind of the, the way the league kind of grows and, and you, you start facing the league a lot better um, as you get older. Um, I think overall that Dodgers series shows that we can play good competitive baseball against good competitive teams. Um, there, there is something to be said about losing the two out of three. Yep, of course, it, it, all that ends of the day or at the end of the day, all that matters is the end uh, scores and the win-loss record. And I get that. But I would, if I was managing the Tigers, I would, after that series, be like, hey guys, like, you know, we, we came here and we showed some people that we can, we can play some baseball. Um, you know, you talk about the second game specifically too, like that was a bullpen game for both teams in a typical baseball fashion. That was the lowest scoring game of all of them. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we went out there and while, of course, Lang blew the save later, um, the, the bullpen held it together. Um, against a really good Dodgers bullpen. So I, I, I was very pleased. Um, of course, the, the layman's will just look at that and as, you know, see like, you know, oh, it's the Dodgers, oh, we lost, you know, no big, no big deal, big surprise. But I, I think that was a series where we really showed some people that we can hang around with, with some better ball clubs. Um, then, of course, we go to Oakland. Speaking of better ball clubs. The, yeah, right, exactly. Um unfortunately split the series um not exactly what we had in mind you still got to go out and you still got to play the games of course on paper we're a better baseball team but uh, at least we didn't lose the series like we did uh way back earlier this year um but really it was just an amalgamation of ugly baseball from both teams when the a's are bad dude they are really bad i mean they're like kicking the ball around the field like it, it there were points where like the like they would throw it into the infield and it didn't have a shot of being anywhere near infielders gloves it i it was wild um and then we had our own you know kerfluffles of of our own that is just a young baseball team that's what we'll do um but uh I'll, you know as far as some Good performances that that came out of that series. Um, Scooble looked fantastic uh, in, in in his start. He think he struck out ten, and he looked like vintage Scooble. Um, Wentz had a better performance in bulk again. So whatever you take from that, and then a much better start from Erod. So you know, all in all, while it's not the series that we wanted to see, we wanted to see complete domination from the Tigers against the A's. You still got to go out and play the games. But uh, what do you think of that series in Oakland? It's disappointing to split that series. You're very right. But all of those games, I mean, the two games that we lost are definitely closer than the final scores indicated. Like you said, game 
uh, game two on Friday, the eight to two loss got away from us uh, when the bullpen came in, and that's kind of disappointing. But we were we were a lot closer than that score uh, indicates. And like you said, the game on Saturday, the four to one loss, uh, you 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 have a lot better idea of what happened when you see the the kind of game that Wentz had. Uh, he he had a very nice um, kind of bulk inning appearance. And then, like you said, Erod coming back, throwing a little bit better. Four walks you don't like to see from him when control is kind of his mo. But uh, yeah, it was it was good to see. It was good to see some some positive signs later in that series. It, the team could have definitely given up after that eight to two loss, uh, and I think some previous Tigers teams may have, but this team didn't, and it was really really fun to watch. That it was intense, and it shouldn't have been that Sunday two to zero win. But you take what you can get, and a win is a win at the end of the day. And uh, it's a winning road trip. It's a winning series, or it's a winning season series against against road teams. Period. We we of course solidified the uh, the road win. Um, win total and so i mean like we we ended up being above 500 for for road um victories out there so i I think that's a great step forward i mean you know comerica is what it is and we'll see if this year shakes out to be one of the years where they're like okay you know bring in the walls did a a few of these things few uh you know other things that we may have not liked we're gonna it's gonna take time for for that data to to really um come to some real results but this team on the road was pretty good this year. Um, it was more fun to watch this team on the road, um, which is tough because you want to do well in front of the home field advantage um, and the home field fans. But I don't know. I think that's some positivity going into next year. Um, will it always shake out like that? Probably not. When we're good, watch will probably be terrible at the road and then also will probably be bad against the Central. But I like this team's grit on, on you know, in, in the in the away jerseys. Um, it seems like they, they felt more comfortable for whatever reason it was. Um, and teams typically don't feel that way. I mean, you have a lot of variables out there. One, you're sleeping in hotel rooms. Two, you're, you know, getting up at different times of the day, uh, especially in that West Coast coast trip like you you're completely different time zone um so you just have a lot of different things to battle so it's it's very odd that you know they, they were able to secure um those those um the record that they did in in road victor and road uh and road games but they they did and it, it we'll see if they can pull it together at home next year but again comerica is just it's a tough place to play period whether you bring the the walls in or not um you mentioned it too the the two to eight loss um, something that gets kind of lost in, in the story and the narrative there is Sawyer Gibson Long had another pretty solid start. Um, he walked a few again, um, but he, he looked good. And then, yeah, the bullpen just came in and imploded, which is not like them. Um, they're, they're due to have that happen every once in a while. They've been pretty great all year. So we're, we're going to, we're going to give them that one and, and say that that's okay. But, uh, Sawyer did have another good start. I think he, he throws a wrench in a lot of in a lot of the rotation plans for next year, which is good. That's that's what we want. Um, I don't think this rotation is anywhere clear uh, of, of five men uh, being set. I would love to see them go to a six man rotation, um, just because they're going to have guys working back from injuries in Casey Mize. Um, but I think he still deserves a shot um, to to headline the rotation. But I also think it'd be wise for them to to ease it and, and not have him throw. 
two in, 200 innings right out the gate. So I think having someone like Gibson Long uh, to to pick up some of those innings is is going to be important. But we know AJ, we know we know Chris Fetter. They will always have a plan that is that is going to protect their players first. Um, and then yeah, then that brings us to the Kansas City series where uh, we saw Reese Olsen tonight uh, throw pretty well um, and start the home stand off correctly. Um, amidst all of that, in during the weekend, we heard rumblings from a few different sources that the Tigers were gearing up to make their hire for the GM, um, and it, it became pretty clear that they wanted to make the hire before uh, the final game of the of the regular season, um, and it uh, it all ended up working out too, where they were able to to finalize all the agreements before. Uh, the final homestand, so he's able to be introduced before all of the Miggy celebration gets underway. But Jeff Greenberg is the Tigers' 20th GM. Um, you know, top-level headlines from this one were, he's from the Blackhawks. He's from the Chicago Chicago Blackhawks. NHL, of course, hockey team. What does he have to do with the MLB? Um, you dive a little bit deeper, you realize that he has a lot of history in baseball. I think, honestly, that that NHL situation was a little bit of a red herring. Um, I think it's completely awesome and out of the box that the Tigers were willing, and Scott Harris specifically was willing to look at other um, places than just the MLB to, to fill this hole. But really, um, Jeff Greenberg is part of Scott's history, too, because they both worked with the Cubs in 2016, and were both very integral to, to Theo Epstein and, and the Cubs' domination in 2016 to go on to win the World Series. Um, so they know each other. They're very familiar with each other. And it sounds like they spent most of their 20s together. Um, and so now they have the opportunity to run a different organization together. And I think Scott took that and ran with it. Who knows if they ever interviewed anyone else. I get the impression that they might not have. Um, and they just kind of ran with this, and it worked out the way it was. Um, but as far as the whole NHL thing and, and maybe his deep roots in, in baseball, what did you think of the hire of Jeff Greenberg? Yeah, it's definitely uh, kind of a head-turner at you know 10,000 feet, looking down on it, it, coming from a hockey team. But when you, like you said, when you look into it, he worked for the Blackhawks for 16 months in total compared to oh man i want to say like he was he was hired as an intern originally with the cubs yeah i think he, he well right but and it was even deeper than the cubs too he's worked for the pirates and a couple of other organizations so i think he'd worked for baseball for like 10 plus years beforehand so, so tigers tigers fans can rest easy knowing that this is somebody that actually knows baseball it's not just we're trying to pull from another sport to get this complete out of the box new way of thinking this is a baseball guy at the end of the day. He knows baseball. He's worked in baseball. He's had success in Major League Baseball in the same job track that he's on now. Uh, obviously, this is a uh, step up for him. He was an assistant GM with the Blackhawks, and now he's the uh, general manager of the Detroit Tigers. Uh, it seems to me like this is a kind of a, a gap filler kind of role that he's going to be in. Uh, he's going to be kind of doing some stuff on his own with some analytics and, you know, doing some player scouting development value type things, as well as just being a uh, a foil for Scott Harris and kind of 
helping him with the grand scheme of things as well. Uh, I wasn't able to catch a ton of the press conference today. I did end up watching quite a bit of it uh, uh, this evening after after the game was over and just trying to gear up for, for the podcast. What was your gut reaction to you know his comments during the the uh, media session and and what what he had to say. These were two bros who wanted to run a baseball team. That, that's that's my that's my analysis. Um, they it, it clearly have have some strong relationship that has that has continued on past the past the Cubs organization. And then, you know you see that a lot with baseball. Period. Um, relationships are formed and then, you know, they go off and do their own maturation, do their own growing, uh, and then people will come back into, into their circles. Um, and so, you know, while, you, you know, they maybe not, don't see eye to eye and everything, and they were very, uh, very astute to, to point that out during the press conference, they seem to challenge one another, which is something that Scott appreciates. And I do appreciate a leader that can, that can say, you know, Hey, I don't, I don't know everything. And, and I, I also sometimes dodge, um, the, the tough questions, or I don't ask the right questions of myself. I need someone who, like you said, is a foil to, to what I'm kind of trying to bring here and see if there's another opinion, another observation, and another outlook that can, that can really uh, go a long way. Um, I, I know that possibly that could get a little hairy sometimes when you want to make progress, um, but I think if you really press them on it, they have the same goals and the same idea in mind, which is obviously to bring a World Series championship to the Tigers. It's just they might have some different ideas how to get there. Um, I, I would be interested to see who gets final say in a lot of these things. Um, they, they did mention that this is going to be a true partnership. Um, while the, the title means anything of ba- President of Baseball Operations, which is Scott Harris, GM, which is Jeff Greenberg, Scott kind of approached it like it doesn't mean anything. They they are they are the the top end of the organization. They are where the buck stops. Um, he referenced his um, his knowledge and observation of how Theo Epstein ran his organization with the Cubs. Um, and it was a Jed Hoyer who was his second in command. Am I getting that right? I believe so. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they ran it like a partnership, and then when he went over to the Giants, when Scott Harris went over to the Giants, uh, Firehead Zahidi, um, they were both very much a partnership as well. It wasn't uh, one man and two man kind of situation. So um, it sounds like not a lot of uh, obligations and and requirements are going to be split up. Um, sounds like a lot of the jobs are are just going to be rolled up, you know, sleeves rolled up, and we're going to handle them together. Um, so I, I'm excited for, for the, the general future of it. I think as a whole, it, it needed to, like you said, the, the, um, gap needed to be filled and, and kind of the placeholder needed to be filled. Um, I think just having uh, another name out there is, is never a bad thing. And another set of eyes on whatever we're trying to do is never a bad thing. Um, I will say he, his response and his, um, you know, he, he literally had, uh, one opening statement and then obviously a, a few questions 
uh, thrown at, at him throughout the press conference. He didn't sound too studied. Um, he he didn't sound like he had read up on on too much of the organization as a whole. That's to be expected. Um, I, I think Scott actually came in um, during his press conference and actually kind of wowed some people with how much he, he really knew about the organization. Um, that, that makes sense for the role that he was jumping into. He really wanted to set that precedent of I'm president of baseball operations. Um, for the GM, I, I understand that this is day one. He's transitioning sports while, of course, he knows baseball. He's familiar with baseball. Uh, he's not familiar with the Tigers at all. He's not familiar with Detroit at all. Um, and so, you know, he's going to welcome in his family first. You know, the Tigers are going to welcome in his family first, and then he can really get to work. Um, one thing that I really did like, uh, that that Scott mentioned was that he wanted to get this hire done specifically before the final homestand so that Jeff could see the patronage and the Smiggy celebration um, and his send-off week for one really important reason, that this is a historic baseball player and Hall of Famer that's going to be probably what we're chasing for whoever we bring into the organization next. But also, too, the... Comerica is going to be flooded with people, and it's something that you don't get to see when the team is not great. And so what does that feel like to, to have this city really cheering on the Tigers? Um, were there any more things that you that you saw out of that press conference? Uh, not really. I It's going to really – I don't know what we're all going to know at any point of who's going to do what, who's going to be in charge of what, who's going to make what decision. Uh, honestly, I think it's kind of a – rising tide lifts all boats kind of situation where they're hoping to add to their team to make everyone better and hopefully this this hire does that and you know makes every single section of this this organization better and work smoother and you know maybe takes a little bit off of Scott's plate where he can kind of focus on the things that he really needs to focus on and and can kind of put some of that on on Greenberg as well. Uh, I'm excited. I like the hire, all things considered. I'm. It, it it's, <clears throat> it's so different coming from a a culture just 12 months ago where we had a GM and that was it. To now we have a president of baseball operations. We have a GM. We have uh, you know all of these different things. It really felt feels like they've built out the upper levels of this organization to really lead from the top, which is, I think the best way to go about it. Who do you think we hear most from going forward? Do we still hear a lot from Scott Harris or does now he kind of recede into the shadows and we hear a lot more from Jeff? Um, honestly, I think it's going to at first still be a lot of Scott Harris. Cause I think mm-hmm. Greenberg is going to have a lot of catching up to do with, you know, what has to happen with the team and getting used to the organization and getting used to the players and all of that. I think probably starting next, towards next trade deadline, I think he'll start to be a little bit more vocal with, with uh, you know, communicating information. Who introduces Otani to the Tigers organization? Uh, Casey Rose. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that might be above my pay grade. <laughs> I think you have oh, a better man. opportunity of doing that than Scott Harris does. That's fair. That's that's very fair. Um, I I think going forward, we we hear still quite a bit from Scott. Um, and I, I even wonder if it if it continues on past that, like you mentioned, the trade deadline. Um, I I I still wonder if it's going to be very much like what AJ does with his 
with his uh, entire managerial staff that he doesn't let them talk to the media whatsoever. Um, I think we'll hear from Jeff. I think we'll hear things from Jeff. I think we'll have our own buzzwords and, and things from him. He sounds like a very, very smart guy. Um, but I, I think Scott wants to be the wants to be the the, the tried and true vo- voice um, going forward. We'll we'll see. But I, I think Scott just has a way about him that he he knows um, what what to say and when to say it. And whether he is saying a heck of a lot, which he rarely ever does, or whether he's just doing the PR kind of word salad things, um, I think he he just kind of likes to to control that narrative. Um, so I I wonder how often we're actually going to acknowledge Jeff Greenberg's presence, but we'll see. Um, I, I'm I'm happy for him, and I think it, I I do think it's cool that they went out and, and found someone like this. Scott mentioned that too, where he. If we're going to be on the cutting edge of, of baseball and, and what's next for baseball and set that precedent, we're going to have to shop in places that people may not expect. And so going to the NHL um, and, and kind of getting a guy that it seems like the Blackhawks really, really liked and, and really coveted um, and was a part of a big transition there. Um, they're also going through a culture change. They're also going through a big rebuild um, of a storied franchise. And it, it was on its way to to something very impressive from all, from all accounts and what I heard. Um, and it sounds like Greenberg was integral to that. Um, and so if if he can bring even some of that over to a, to a train that's already well in, in motion, um, and, and as long as he keeps the culture, like Scott mentioned, I think we I think we got a good one. And we might have even stolen someone from from something that was already well into gear. So, um, of course, what we're chasing is a pennant and, and, a, and a series World Series championship. But uh, the Tigers organization already has a championship under their belt. For the first time, the Erie Seawolves are Eastern League champions as of tonight. Kind of wild. Only uh, I expected more, I guess, and I don't know why, but I don't really read up on how the playoffs work for for, uh, minor league baseball, but uh, just a best two out of three, and we swept them. We swept the Brigham uh, Mets affiliate, and we took home the dub tonight. Um, do you have the box scores at the ready? Do we have some names? Do we have some highlights of what those games looked like for the Erie Seagulls? Yes, and I would like to make sure everybody understands too. Uh, the the Seagulls won their first playoff series to get to this series that we're talking about right now. So this isn't like the only playoffs they were a part of. There was there was a previous uh, series that they played. Um, and one, which is big, but uh, yeah, it's the first, uh, the first, let's see here, the first championship they've won in their history, which is huge for them as an organization. And it's pretty big for, you know, the Tigers and their affiliates as well. Uh, they defeated the Richmond Flying Squirrels in, in two games out of a three game series in this series uh, before this as well. So that's pretty cool. Uh, game one against the Rumble Ponies. Uh, looking at the box score here, uh, I think it's... Can we just shout out minor league team names, by the way? Just real quick. Just fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, of course, none are better than the Space Cowboys, but uh, that's, of course, the Astros AAA affiliate. But can we get the Rumble what? What are they? The Rumble Ponies. I... Fantastic. I love that. Uh, 
Trey Cruz went off in game one, as well as uh, what's his, Cabrera. Man, I'm trying to pull up his first name. Hold on. We drafted him a while ago. He's kind of been a late developing guy for us. I'm going to really hate myself. Daniel Cabrera. Excuse me. Uh, he had himself a good game as well, but uh, Trey Cruz was three for five in that game. Two runs scored, an RBI, uh, two doubles, and a triple for his three hits. Uh, Jake Holton with a home run in that game. Uh, Pitching-wise, Wilmer Flores kind of had an off-kilter start. Two innings pitched, four hits, three earned runs, a walk and a strikeout. Kind of rough, but the bullpen came through and picked him up and uh, only allowed three earned runs after that. Uh, they win 9-6. to six. And then in Game 2, uh, it appears that Jake Holton also did some things, as well as Gage Workman. Two homers. Holton. Two homers two, for Jake Holton. Yep. And then Workman also hit a home run in that game as well to secure the victory tonight for them uh, again. Uh, this herder. They kid. crushed him, right? It was like 10 yeah, to 10 0. 10 0. Right? Uh, I've never heard of Brant Herter, but he. I before tonight. Balled out, as the kids say. Mm-hmm. Seven innings pitched, three hits allowed, three walks, seven strikeouts, no earned runs. And that's all it really took. I mean, the, the bullpen really didn't have much to do at that point. They had a 10 run lead and. They finish it off. Really cool for the Tigers organization. That shows a winning culture coming from very, very low down in the system. And that's something that is irreplaceable once you get higher in this system and then into the big leagues as well. Yeah, and on that Brant Herder note too, I think I saw something floating on Twitter like his last 32 innings, he only allowed like one run or mm. something too. So he, he made a name for himself there at the end. Um, and Jake Holton, which, uh, was funny because I, I, no relation as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know with, uh, with Tyler Holton of the, of the Tigers bullpen. But, uh, while Tyler Holton was pitching Jake Holton, his second home run. So the, the Tigers Twitter <laughs> had some fun with that. Um, and then, yeah, it seems like Trey Cruz really kind of led, led the team I know he batted lead off in the first game. I don't know. Did he, did he lead off in the second game as well? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it seems like he's he's a formidable person at the uh, top of the order. Um, which, by the way, I, I meant to mention it today too. Uh, Parker Meadows leading off for the Tigers. What do we think of that about that? Real quick, it worked out. It did work out, and he got a nice little single there. He he puts he was actually the the one most on Granky, but I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, maybe we should do this more often to kind of shake things up. But um, so yeah, cool for the Sea Wolves. Um, I've seen all the videos of of them in the uh, I don't know where they are, but it looks really depressing. They're in some kind of warehouse doing the celebration. They're not like in their clubhouse or anything, um, which I find it funny. But that just seems to to be par for the course for for minor league baseball. Um, and then yeah, like you mentioned, um, instilling that that winning culture. Um, that, that comes from, you know, a management, management team that, that believes in their players. Um, but really it becomes from also too you know, developmental team that, that can make these players great, um, and, and bring them to, to where they need to be. But then also it comes from the players believing, 
um, that they, they can actually win. Um, you know, we didn't talk a whole lot about the Seawolves um, as a whole this year just because there was a lot more action going on around them with, with uh, High A, West Michigan, and then also Toledo. Um, but it's where Colt Keith got his start too. So, I mean, he, he was integral to, to their beginning. Um, and obviously he came up later in the year. But, you know, I, they had some really good players run through there this year. And it's it's an exciting thing of things to come, as you know, exciting sight of things that could be coming. Um, that first game, I, I watched a couple of the innings. I thought we were going to lose, and so it was a much more exciting game than than the nine to six or than the the ten to zero victory tonight. But winning nine to six, coming back uh, when we were down early was also something really nice to see. Never given up. So, um, kudos to the Erie Sea Wolves. Hopefully, that is a uh, uh, precedent uh, and, and uh, sign of things to come for the entirety of the or- Tigers organization, but uh, unfinished work, still work to be done, Tigers. Um, and that, of course, leads us to Miggy's final homestand. So as I mentioned, we kicked it off correctly and we got the win. That was important. Um, I think the the most important game of is, of course, still going to be the guards games. Um, so it's still yet to be seen, but it's good that we were at least able to build it up and then come through and actually win. Kind of felt like Badu was making a statement when he, you know, did the patented Badu look and bat slam. He's like, you know, we're not losing this game. No shot. Um, doing it for Miggy. So that was, that was good to see. Um, AJ mentioned some things that he, he is looking to do, um, throughout the, uh, the last week. Sounds like Miggy, uh, of course played today and he's going to play tomorrow. He's going to have an off day Thursday, and then he is going to attempt to play the entirety of the weekend, which is how it should be. Um, although we did in Oakland have a little bit of a scare where he, he filed a, uh, ball off of his leg and there was even x-rays done so I, I hope this ends as graciously and as perfectly as it can um, where he obviously makes it to Saturday for the celebration and then Sunday's his final game so I think playing him all three games is a little bit of a risk for sure um, but hopefully he can make it the entirety of the weekend and then everything else is under wraps um, I don't even think Miggy really knows what's what's in store uh, AJ did unfortunately possibly lay to rest uh the idea of him playing all nine positions which i was kind of hoping would i would see i of course i want to win games and stuff but we're out of contention and it would be fun for him to do that i do think he plays the field though um what do you think what do you think are some uh, surprises in store for miggy uh not sure i do think that he will end up playing first at least two of the games Against Do you think he plays third? No, no shot. You don't think he plays third at all? I think he. I think he plays third and the outfield. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're talking an out, dude. We're talking literally an out. He doesn't even have to make the play, but he will. He will play third. I guarantee it. And the outfield is questionable at best, but I think he plays all three. Dude, it, this for him. This has been such a good, smooth. You know, not not a whole lot of bumps in the road this final year. It's gone so well. He's hit very well for, you know, where he's at in his career, the injuries he's had in his career. I would just really hate for this to end with a circus. And that really sounds like just, like, what are the Tigers doing? Why are they doing that? Like, that that feels like that would be just kind of a, of a huge in joke. In memory. I, 
it's not a joke. It's in memory of his career. I mean, he started in the outfield. I mean, that's that's like, and they'll probably play like a video. It's gonna be, dude. I'm telling you, the theatrics are gonna be off the hook. And I and I agree I, with that part. Second, but but it, I will yeah. be, and I will go on the record and say, I will be very, very, very disappointed if they play him in the outfield. Or I mean, at third, I can kind There's of understand. Point. He never played in the outfield for the Tigers. I get that. I understand. It's just it's his whole career. The I last mean, time we, he played in the, the Marlins, outfield, yeah, he he was in his early twenties. Mm-hmm. He he's forty. Mm-hmm. I, it just it's all part of the journey, man. It's all part. It's of the it's ridiculous. If they do that, I will be very <laughs> upset. <laughs> I, I would, right, well, it would be might. doing him a disservice <laughs> in his final final games. Let me. Let me ask you this: Were you as a, or will you be as upset at that as you were at the A's for giving him a oh, bottle dude. of wine signed by the players? And here's the thing: after looking through the other gifts that have been given to him this year, him getting alcohol is not out of the norm. No. It was, of course, recovering alcoholic. We have that whole story, but he is not. The A's were not the only team to to give him two alcohol, so. two things about this. First of all, it was the presentation. It, the manager uh, was it is it uh oh what's their manager's name oh i don't remember oh, his name it's it's a former name. player uh hold on i i, I do want to get this right i'll look it i'll look it up it's it's right here on my screen mark mark Kotze. It, it was only their manager that came out and you know i'm not one to look a gift horse in the mouth because it is a gift and it is you know you know what they say about a gift it's not expecting anything in return and all the stuff but if you're going to go through the whole rigmarole of the process it's Miguel Cabrera he is one of the best if not the best right-handed hitter pure right-handed hitter in baseball history and you have an opportunity to give him a farewell from one of the oldest storied franchises in baseball the the athletics and you send your manager out there by himself with a what is it sixty dollar bottle of wine that's that's scrawled on by all of the players from the A's. Well, I mean the signatures make it worth at least a hundred. So yeah, are we sure? <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> I, I understand the A's are are known for being cheap and like they're clearly trying to you know cut some costs with their with their ball club. This wasn't the spot to save a few bucks. Like, take a cue from everybody else. We we have a list here of of all of the gifts that have been given to him, all of the different ways that he has been memorialized by all of these different teams. They didn't have to do a Mickey weekend like the Marlins did. Nobody was asking for that. They're just we're just asking for some feel. We're just asking for a little bit of of respect. And I mean. Does Miggy ever drink that wine? Yeah, I mean that's the question, right? I mean, yeah, and part of me says I hope not. Yeah, I mean he he has a, he has a history with alcohol, um, but I, no, because he probably just leave it on the shelf, and it's like a cool thing. Like, oh yeah, I did that. Let me let me ask you this: what what were some of your favorite gifts? You you know we we've read through the list. What were some of the the highlights for you? Uh. Obviously, the Marlins whole weekend celebration of Mickey was super, super that cool. Was cool. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the Hollywood star from the Dodgers was cool with with JD being there and 
with the Hispanic community that they have in LA. That was that was kind of fun. Uh, just briefly, uh, the the guitar from Cleveland. Obviously, you have that moment mm-hmm. of Mickey squaring up against mm-hmm. uh, Jose Ramirez. Jose, which is, <laughs> that that'll live on Great. for a while. Uh, my favorite though, it's is the surfboard from the Angels. I think that's it's super mm-hmm. unique. Okay. Super, it, you will always remember that Angels one because it's 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 just it's huge, and it's it's just L.A. to the t- to a T. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's kind of fun. Uh, the award for the funniest one goes to the Nationals. They got him a rocking chair. <laughs> they were the first to get him a chair, which is just hilarious because what else are you going to do in retirement other than read some books on your new rocking chair? <laughs> um, and then my two favorites, I'll say runner-up was, uh, I know as much as you as much as you hate it, um, the Yankees. Um, giving them the, the giving him the subway sign. I classy. thought that was pretty cool. Classy. That was it, classy, exactly. I thought that was classy. Um, but then my favorite one, and this is tar- this is really hard for me to say, uh, because I hate this organization. But the Boston Red Sox were classy, and they gave him the twenty four off the Green Monster, which I thought that was awesome. really really awesome. cool. Um, so yeah, I mean the the A's completely dropped the ball. Uh, worst of which they had the entire year. They had the most <laughs> right. time to right. think about the <laughs> what gift they were gonna give Miggy this this incredible player, this Hall of Famer, and we're gonna get him a bottle of wine. It definitely felt like the night before they're like, uh oh, oh no, <laughs> and it's like it's that it's that panic moment before mom's birthday, right? Where it's like, oh no. I got to go to Meyer, or, oh no, I got to go get a card or something or like Mother's Day flowers or whatever. When everyone on Mother's Day is in the store buying flowers, it's like, all right, guys, this might've been, we could we plan this out a bit better. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I don't know though. I mean, there, there are only so many things I guess you could do in that, in that amount of time or whatever. So at least they got him something and they didn't totally forget, but uh, there isn't a whole lot of ties between the A's and, and Miguel either. So I guess, you know, that that's somewhat of a of an excuse. But um, they they probably weren't thinking about uh, his, his rougher years with alcohol abuse when they got him the <laughs> bottle of wine. But it is what it is. I am most interested in what you think the Tigers are going to get him. Of course, they already have kind of started the whole thing. Um, tonight, they made sure that most of the city was lit up with orange and blue. Uh, a lot of uh, skyscrapers even had like 24 plastered on there, either in lights or the various uh, signs had 24, you know, Mickey Gracias or whatever. So I thought that was cool. And then, of course, the outfield has 24 with his little, you know, king triple crown. Um, thing out there uh, uh, mowed into the grass. But what do you think is going to be the the gift, the ultimate gift that they give him? Uh, to be fair, I really do like the grass cutting his number with the crown. Like, that's super cool to me. Uh, any Anytime a team does something like that, even if it's not, like, for a player, it's for, you know, they did a, they did a, uh, is it 313 is the area code? And, Detroit, I think mm-hmm. they did that yeah. a little bit earlier this year. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, it's going to be just a multitude of gifts. It's not going to be one singular thing they do. And I think one of the biggest parts of it is going to be, and, and this is probably going to be my favorite part and the thing that gets me really emotional, is going to be the messages from former teammates, the video messages that get played on the board, 
And, you know, we went to McGee Appreciation Day last year. We know there's going to be some surprise guest that's going to show up and it's going to be super emotional and crazy and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. I think that's, you know, that's the, the tan intangible things that you look at when you see this kind of stuff and you're like, that's what this is all about. And that's, that's super cool. They did kind of pull out the stops for that Maggie celebration the, and, and bring it back V Mart. I was like, Oh wow, they're doing this right now. So I don't know who else they could bring back. Um, but they, they should bring back someone for sure. Um, what I really want to see, but unfortunately it sounds like kind of Matt Shepard put this to bed um, during his, uh, his cold open for the game tonight. Um, I would love them on Saturday to, to put his name up on, up on the, the brick wall. Uh, and then he plays two games with his name on the brick wall, which would be I understand, pretty sacrilegious. You don't do that for a player who's still playing, but it's Miguel frickin' Cabrera. I mean, like, he he is the pedigree of people that would that would deserve that. Um, but I don't I don't think they're gonna do that because Matt Shepard said uh, before you can have his name on the right center field brick wall, yada yada yada. Like, okay, all right, shoot, they're not gonna do that. Um, but I, I I thought that would be really classy if they if they had done that. The problem is like, how do you? cover that up you know <laughs> like how do you how do you keep that a secret because obviously you just have to cover it up with some tarp and that's obvious what you did so i get it that's fine uh whatever they do they just better do something better than a bottle of wine to to our friend mickey um but i, I think they they've been cooking up something pretty good um the the drone show should be an interesting one too where they're 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 uh um upgrading from fireworks now to to do a drone show so hopefully we don't have any malfunctions with that uh, i think that's also saturday night so um I, I think as much as you hate to see it or as much as you might hate to see it uh, i think him playing all the positions that he can would be pretty fun i get why you don't like it but i think it would be cool for him to relive those moments and relive those memories um, at least first and third. I understand why the outfield would be a little weird for him in a Tigers jersey uh, to be doing that, but I think first and third, where where he he spent most of his time with the Tigers, um, or all of his time with the Tigers minus DH would be would be cool. Um, and again, we're just talking about outs. You know, we're just talking. We're not talking about even full innings. He doesn't have to do the whole thing. But uh, I think at least seeing him in, out in the field one more time. If his knees can can take it, if they can bear it, would be would be awesome. Um, and then just Miggy in perfect Miggy fashion, he just wants to see the team win. So us going out and winning um, against Kansas City, of course, you know maybe sweeps are, are too much to ask for. Um, but I would really like us to see uh, some some competitive baseball against the Guardians. And I think it would mean a lot to this team to to hold on to second place. But uh, we have two more against the Royals. We have um, Scooble going tomorrow. And then we have Gibson Long going on Thursday for the matinee game. And then we have three against the Guardians. How do we think we wrap up the season? I think in the, in total, these two series, including the game we played tonight, I think we end up going 4-2. and two. I think, however that works... For some reason, this Kansas City team feels like they have some kind of mojo. They've won, was it like 10 out of their last 11 before tonight? So 10 out of their oh, last 11. A little 12, bit of a streak. Which is kind of wild. So they I just had to see the 100 in their loss column first, you know, just before. <sighs> right. right. 
it's, it's just so odd. But I could see a world where we lose one or two against the Royals. I, I just hope that the Tigers can use this as, you know, emotions and all of this as a, as a catalyst for their play and not a distraction to their play. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still some guys that I would love to see have a solid finish to the year. And five games is a nice stretch to end the year that you could really use. Guys like Torque to get to 30 home runs would be awesome. Guys like Carey to kind of continue that hot streak to the end of the year. You know, Parker's kind of looked better the last week. He kind of had a had a you know cooling off period. It'd be nice for him to get that going. Guys like Badu to continue to hit well. Yeah, even guys like Tamar should be. If I'm thinking about it correctly. I think Tamar should be Scoobles' last start of the year. Mm-hmm. Yep. You'd like you'd today like was to Reese's. See him pitch well. Yep. Reese's last. He's in line to start the last game of the year. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, but I, I don't think they're gonna do that. It would be technically his last start. I don't think they they will. I think I I heard anyways that this was his last start, but it could be. I could be wrong. They they might be doing one more, but just as far as like an innings count goes, um, he he's maxed out. Game for the for the last. Could see it or Mickey pitches. Oh, dude, you know. Uh. <laughs> you really just don't want to see him anywhere, but maybe first first base first like, and third is fine first and third is fine that makes sense to me anything other than that just feels like it's making a ginormous joke out of mm-hmm. his career as would putting his name on the bricks for that matter like that's, that's jeter and mariano rivera didn't go in monument park in center field in new york before they okay well they hold on hold on i didn't say get him his statue let's be clear here but i didn't say that i said his name on the okay, wall would be there's they didn't put his number their numbers up in yankee yankee stadium anywhere before they finished playing i think that's that's the 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 caliber of player we're talking about right now. Oh, I think it's I think, that's a, I think it's bigger. I think it's a bigger deal. The Yankees have so many more names that that are that, okay. that even you mean, understand what I'm saying. Though. I, I get like, it. I guaranteed do. Guaranteed Hall of Famer before they've even retired, like in this big retirement kind of situation. Pujols and Molina didn't get it last year. Like I understand it's different players, different teams. I get it. It's just it's it's not how things are done and i don't think anybody is big enough to step outside of that i just don't it's not a thing it would never have happened i i hear you i do um i would make the argument and someone could make the argument we maybe could have this discussion maybe in the off season uh he could very well be the most important name on that board now, did we get robbed of some World Series wins back in the 2010s? Yes. You know, did we ever come up with a World Series win? No. Um, I think that makes his um, his case for the most important Tiger ever tough because we didn't win any World Series in his tenure. But, I mean, we're talking about a dude who the most likely, I'm not kidding, most likely the... I. I don't know if I want to say this, but probably the final member of the 500 club just for in our lifetimes. I think that's, that's safe to say, at least in our lifetimes. Um, and the final triple crown winner, definitely in our lifetimes, I would even say probably ever. 
Um, they'll, be, they'll be another player that hits 500 home runs with how power is valued now. They don't play long enough, dude. <laughs> and we're heading, we are barreling towards 142 game season. Like we are, we are. That's a fair point. Barreling. Fair point. I think, I think saying that the last 3000 hit club member in our lifetime is way easier you, to see. You think? You think? Because, I mean, I could see that where, like, if, you know, obviously you keep the shift eliminated and people start, you know, doing what they do. People are just um, striking out too much. I get it. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a discussion and to be made. less but, games, like you said, for home runs. Right. I, I just think that he is so important and has been so important to this organization. And I know that the, the injuries made it tough. And I know the last maybe latter five years of his career made it tough to really remember some of the greatness that was Miguel Cabrera. Um, but this year has really, you know, going throughout the entire trek of, you know, all the, the road games and all the teams that given him all these things and his farewell gifts. It, it's really reminded me of, of how much he mattered to this organization. And, and I hope um, that everyone else sees that. We know that the players see that. You know, we, we know that day in and day out, they, they value him. Um, I guess <laughs> if they're not going to give him the concrete wall or what, or the, the brick wall or whatever, offer him a job. Just, just literally right out of the right off, right off his final at bat. Just be like, all right, you're the new Tigers assistant hitting coach. Um, I guess that would be that would be right up there too. Where I just I I want them to keep him in the organization um, for as long as possible. And he's he's been vocal about that too, where he he wants to stay with the with the team as well. Um, so I would not be surprised if he figures out some way. I mean, Jim Leland is still an advisor to this team, so I think we can find a spot for Miguel Cabrera. But um, most important question. Do we hold on to second place at the end of the year? I think we do. If you look, the Guardians have one game left before our series, and they play the Reds, who are currently fighting for a wild card spot. So I think that puts us in a pretty decent spot. Uh, it our our final place in the standings is going to be in our hands. I don't think I can confidently say that. How the Tigers play. These last five games will dictate directly what position we finish in in the AL Central. Whether or not that's you know five games under five hundred or you know third place, second place, like wherever, like the Tigers have control of that. And I think that's all you can really ask for coming down to the end of the year is to say we don't have any other extenuating circumstances that are going to dictate you know, where we're at and how we are viewed to end the end the season. Very true. Very true. Very well said. Uh, any closing thoughts as we go into the final week of the Tiger season? Very sad. Very bittersweet. Um, obviously we kind of get to this point in the season where it's like, all right, yeah, I can, I can understand the, the time is, the time is up, but we will be uh, into February, just praying that uh, March is right around the corner. So, as we as we go into this, how are you going to keep your head straight as uh, the last week of baseball is underway? Important to note too, I guess we do have some playoff baseball. It's going to get really exciting here in October, but unfortunately, no more Tigers baseball. What do we think? Uh, definitely keeping an uh, keeping an eye on uh, on playoff baseball is going to be a big thing. Um, just a programming note, we will have one or two more, uh, at least one or two more weekly podcasts before we move to our off season schedule. Uh, we've got some stuff we want to go over for the season, kind of season wrap up stuff. 
So that's going to take up some of my time too, is just kind of, you know, medit not meditating, uh, marinating on the year and kind of like just kind of looking at where we fell and how, how we were looking, you know, at the trade deadline, how we were looking after our skate in June, kind of stuff like that. Just kind of trying to take it all in and kind of put it into perspective because I think that's super important. But then once we get into the off season, I think it's going to be one of the weirdest off seasons, uh, player movement wise that we've seen in a long time with the Otani sweepstakes being as complicated as they are now. And with, you know, the free agent class not being the strongest we've seen in recent years, uh, keeping an eye on what happens with the Javi Baez and, uh, Erod situations, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep us busy for a while. I don't, I don't think it's going to be as boring of an offseason as you think it's going to be. Very true. That's a good point. And also, uh, Jeff Greenberg has uh, a lot on his plate to, to begin the, the end of the year. Um, I, I also love the image of you meditating um, and then, and then uh, you know, on stewing on, on the entirety of the Tiger season. And then uh, your baby sailor just uh, screaming out in, in cries of help that ruin your meditation and you just, you just get very angry. I find that 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 made me chuckle while you were saying that. Where can the kids find us? We are on social media. Uh, we are on Twitter, Instagram. We are on the TikToks. We are on we have YouTube Reels. Uh, give us or YouTube Shorts, I believe they are called. Uh, give us a follow. It's Old English D Pod on all of those. Give us a follow. Give us a like. We will try to keep up with some content. It's going to be a little tougher during the offseason, obviously, but when there's some big signing to break down, hopefully, when you know there's any kind of player development moves or anything like that, we will be sure to keep you guys in the loop as much as we can. Absolutely. Josh, thank you so much for joining me. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening, and as always, go Tigers. Go Tigers.